king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Now, the two disciples did as Jesus instructed them, and they brought the donkey and the colt, and they put their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before Jesus and that followed him, they were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And then Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. Verse 17 then says, right after the cleansing of the temple, Jesus left Jerusalem and he went to Bethany and he lodged there. Now, if you remember, Bethany was a suburb of Jerusalem, just under a day's walk away. It's the same village or town where Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha, live. It's the same place that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And so when Matthew tells us that Jesus left Jerusalem and he went to Bethany and he lodged there, there's a pretty good chance that he lodged in Lazarus' house. And the next day, Jesus returns to the temple and begins teaching a few parables. One was the parable that we read last Sunday. One of the men who had two sons, and he asked both to go out and work in the vineyard. And one said, sure, but he ended up not going. And the other son said, at first, no, but he did go to work. And then the second parable Jesus taught was also about a vineyard. It's the parable in today's gospel lesson. Jesus begins by saying there was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower, leased it to tenants, went into another country. Sounds pretty similar to our Old Testament lesson. The meaning of this parable really is pretty clear. 
The landowner is God. The vineyard is the kingdom of God. And the servants are the prophets. The son, of course, is Jesus. And the tenants are the Jews who oppose Jesus. The killing of the son, well, that's the crucifixion. The removal of the tenants is the transferring of the kingdom of God to a new chosen people, chosen people of God who are believers. And that includes not only Jews who become Christians, but also Gentiles who do. And so Matthew continues, he says, when the season of fruit drew near, and of course this is Jesus speaking in the parable, when the season of, of fruit drew near, God, he, God, sent his servants, the prophets, to the tenants, the Jews, to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servant, beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did the same to them. You know, sometimes we think of the great prophets as, as having been treated with great respect and reverence, but very few really were. Hebrews 11 reminds us of how most of the Old Testament prophets were treated. Women received back their dead by resurrection, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about, about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Was pretty treated pretty poorly. So Jesus continues, he says, finally, he, God, sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir, come, let us kill him, have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Now remember, this is just a matter of days or perhaps even hours before Monday, Thursday, that night when Jesus gathered in the upper room and celebrated the Last Supper before being arrested and beginning the Passion all the way to the cross. And the Jewish leaders are going to do just what Jesus said in this parable. They took him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Just a few hours or a few days. And then Jesus asks the question, when therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits of their season. Of course, he's referring to believers. He continues, have you never read the scriptures? Quote, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruit. Now, here Jesus is quoting from Psalm 118, verse 22. And it's interesting because the people also quoted from Psalm 118 a few verses later at verse 26. Um, 
when they waved those palm branches as Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the donkey and they were shouting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're both from Psalm 118. And then finally Jesus says, and the one who falls on this stone will be broken into pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. And so here Jesus is making a reference to the second chapter of Daniel, verse 34. It says, as you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay, and it broke them in pieces. And that image that Daniel's talking about, it represents all the different idols that we all create in life. And we all create many different idols. There's two more verses to Matthew 21, and that's verses um, 45 and 46. They were not included in today's gospel lesson. But they say that when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parable, they perceived that Jesus was speaking about them. And although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds because they, the crowds, held him to be a prophet. They perceived that he was speaking about them. And so that means they also understood that by quoting Psalm 118, Jesus was speaking about himself. And so I'm going to read Psalm 118 because I think it's really important. It reminds us of who Jesus was, who he is, and who he still will be when he returns at the end of time. Psalm 118, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surrounded me, and in the name of the Lord I cut them all off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a, a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord I cut them off. I was pushed hard. So hard that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. And this is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. And then here's that one quote that Jesus said about the stone. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. 
It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. And then the crowd shouting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God. I will extol you. I will give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. So you can see why it enraged those Pharisees who were listening. My brothers and sisters in Christ, when, when Jesus comes back, and, and he will, when he returns at the end of time to judge both the living and the dead, and none of us knows when that day is going to be, but we each have to be ready. And that doesn't just mean that you have to have your house of faith in order, but it also means that you must be ready to give an account of your life. We profess in the creed he will come, he's going to come back to judge both the living and the dead. And so you must be ready to give an account for your life. Jesus is going to ask something like this, what did you do with the time that was given you on this earth? Did you put your faith into action? Or did you only pay me lip service? Did you tell others about me and bring them to the salvation in the knowledge of who I am and what I did for them? Or did you keep the good news to yourself? Just like the tenants in the vineyard that are in the parable, the son will come to collect the fruit that's due him and his father. The question is, will you welcome him? Will you have a harvest of fruit to give him? Or like the tenants in the parable, who represented the Pharisees, will you reject him and have no fruit for him? Remember, Jesus said more than once, not everyone who calls him Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. So don't just call him your Lord, make him your Lord. And commit to your memory Jesus' warning back in verse 33 to those that produce no fruit for his kingdom. The warning that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruit. So when he comes, have his fruit ready. And in the meantime, care for his vineyard with love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.